This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 28th, 2022, and of course, that means it is DCA Wednesday. Uh, so happy belated holidays. Merry Christmas. Past tense to y'all. This is our first show since before the Wednesday before Christmas. And a happy New Year, because unless something major happens, this is going to be our last show until after the New Year, after the uh, first of 2023, the first Wednesday of 2023, our first stack in the new year. Uh, like I said, unless anything else happens in the meantime, our next show will be a week from today, the next DCA Wednesday. Real quick before we get started, and there is a lot of news to go over, uh, but before we get started, uh, let's take a quick look at the vital statistics. As I said, today is December 28th, 2022, and we are currently sitting at a block height of 769 nice 1320 and bitcoin is currently ringing in at a us dollar value of $16,496 or a whopping 6062 sats per cuck buck that is exactly where we were on November 23rd literally the exact same price the exact same number of sats per dollar so while it seems like bitcoin may be tanking again uh pretty much in line with what the stock market's doing doesn't look like we're going to end on an up week. I think they had a, they squeaked out an up week last week just in time for the Christmas holiday, and then stocks promptly began their slide. They were, I guess they were mixed Monday, and then they dropped pretty good today. This is not a shitcoin or stock market show, but um, the price of Bitcoin has been pretty well correlated with the, with the stock market recently. So uh, as is everything, <clears throat> uh, has been kind of correlated with the stock market because of the state of the U.S. economy and global economy in general. Along those lines, Bitcoin has the exact same market capitalization pretty much that it had on November 23rd, about a half a billion higher at $317.5 billion. And even though Bitcoin has the exact same price, obviously the market cap is slightly different because every 10 minutes uh, there's that miner award where new Bitcoin is issued to the miner that finds, solves the, solves the next block. So uh, we're a little bit higher than we were at just before Thanksgiving, even though the price of Bitcoin is down or is exactly the same as it was uh, on November 23rd anyway. Along those lines, if you value your wealth in shiny metal rocks, shiny yellow rocks, it will currently cost you 9.2 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. Exactly the same as last week, even though Bitcoin's about $300 cheaper than it was in US dollar terms. And for those of you who value your wealth in oil, one Bitcoin will currently cost you 198.48, so about 198 and a half barrels of uh, Brent light crude for one Bitcoin at a rate of 503,812 sats per barrel. And for those of you who value your wealth in pizzas, one Bitcoin will currently score you 977 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. Uh, that is a tiny bit less than last week. But still more than two and a half years worth of pizza. That's one pizza a day for a little more than two and a half years. And uh, 
that speaking of the mempool earlier today i was looking and the mempool was completely clear the blocks were less than half full but as we are currently broadcasting there are three blocks with the transactions pending in the mempool along those lines one sat per byte transaction should still clear within a day although the fee estimator i'm looking at recommends a fee of 27 sats per byte if you want to guarantee your transaction is included on the next block although the later it gets the more likely we are to see that blockchain clear out because uh, the mempool usually clears out when the united states and europe are asleep apparently that is where most of the on-chain activity is occurring and speaking of on-chain activity that metric you know i love to follow bitcoin's 24-hour transaction rate is actually up a little bit from last week uh, not a whole lot but it's at 3.2 transactions per second as opposed to the 3.15 transactions per second last wednesday and we find ourselves about six days away from the next mining difficulty adjustment. We've got 792 blocks to go. As you know, Bitcoin adjusts its mining difficulty every 2016 blocks with the goal of, uh, of a new block being found on average every 10 minutes. And currently, we're looking at a difficulty a decrease of anywhere between 7.1 and 8.1%. And that's a little smaller of a decrease than we were looking at just a couple of days ago when I was checking. Uh, for example, uh, transactions were averaging over 11 minutes, uh, I think just yesterday, maybe it was the day before, and currently they're averaging 10 minutes and 54 seconds. Now, a lot of that is because of the cold weather. As you know, a lot of the mining in the United States is based in Texas, and a lot of these major mining companies have agreements with ERCOT, the Texas's major grid operator, uh, to shut their miners off when there's high electricity demand. And with that huge winter storm that we had crossing the United States, it got really cold in Texas. There was uh, stress on the grid and those miners shut down. So uh, for a while, there was less hash power than there, than there normally would be. Uh, and it looked like we were going to have a massive difficulty adjustment. Some of those miners are obviously switched back on as it's starting to warm up in the United States. And therefore, uh, the mining, uh, the hash power on the network has, has gone back to about where it, it had been prior to the storm. Either way, we're still looking at anywhere between a 7 and an 8% decrease in difficulty adjustment, which is going to make those miners a little more profitable. And that's good because one of the things that's potentially going to weigh on Bitcoin's U.S. dollar value, its fiat price, uh, is if we had any more major bankruptcies, any more failures in the Bitcoin mining space. Uh, just because, A, that's that's FUD. It's, it's always FUD, even though there's just a tremendous amount of hash power. Even if you know some of the major uh, Bitcoin miners were to fold up, uh, there would still it's still i don't know i don't have the statistics right in front of me right now but i'm guessing it would only lower uh the the current bitcoin hash power to about where we were at the last having if not less than that so while it wouldn't actually be that big of a deal it would still it would still cause a little bit of panic a little bit of fud and i think it would depress the deep, further depress the value of bitcoin although we've certainly had our fair share of black swan style events this year uh of course the ftx debacle being the most recent before that, you know, we had the, the BlockFi and the Terra Luna collapses, et cetera. I guess BlockFi didn't collapse until the FTX debacle. It was FTX contagion. But um, nonetheless, we've had a lot of things weighing on the price of Bitcoin, besides the fact that the whole world economy is just slowing down. All right. Well, why are we here today? We're here today because every Wednesday we've been dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin. The whole purpose of our DCA Wednesday episode is to test out the hypothesis of dollar cost averaging. Uh, if you don't know what DCA or dollar cost averaging is, dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. So we chose our regular interval as Wednesdays, and here we are on DCA Wednesday, and we chose our, our equal portion as 20 bucks. And the reason we chose 
is twofold. First of all, I wanted to show that even stacking as little as $20 will add up uh, over time if you DCA into Bitcoin at a regular on a regular basis. And also because you have all those people on the internet out there, whether it's on Twitter or the Bitcoin subreddit, saying, I only have 100 bucks, I only have 200 bucks, is it even worth it? Am I too late? And hopefully we're, we've shown that even as little as $20 does add up over time and that you were certainly not too late. In fact, I'm of the firm belief that, that right now is, is it's a, this is a gift from the gods. This is a golden opportunity to stack Bitcoin when it's on sale, when it's a lot cheaper than it probably would have been had we not had uh, all the events that we had unfold this year. So while everybody's really mad at Sam Bankman fraud and SBF for uh, being basically the biggest financial scammer, the most the largest pyramid, largest Ponzi scheme of all time. Uh, I'm thankful that it lowered the price of Bitcoin because, man, when Bitcoin was at like $69,000, I was really starting to feel that that uh, that FOMO, uh, that, man, I haven't got enough when Bitcoin moons one day. If Bitcoin hits a million, you know, I'm still going to have a healthy stack, but nowhere near what I wanted to, nowhere near life-altering, you know, amount of Bitcoin. And so this is that second chance. This is that opportunity to stack those sats that you wish you had stacked before Bitcoin shot up in price the first time because... As I mentioned, we're, you know, we're just about a year away from the halving, a little over a year away from the halving. And uh, once that halving kicks off and we see another, another halving bull market set another new all-time high, blow through that 69,000 and stop who knows where, 100,000, 200,000, wherever we end up, uh, you're going to wish you had stacked at 16,000. I know there's a lot of people out there that are saying, well, what if it goes lower? Well, as I said last week, you were comfortable stacking at fifty thousand. I'll bet you bought higher than twenty or thirty thousand. Uh, so this is going to be one of your cheapest opportunities to stack Bitcoin. I think we've kind of shown that, and we'll get into that again when we do make our DCA purchase for the day. But real quick, a look at some of the news that's going on. Again, we're we're just days away from the new year, three days away from the new year, three days away from the from the start of twenty twenty three. While I expect Bitcoin to go sideways, you know, for a little while longer, maybe not as low as it is who knows maybe it'll go lower but in general we see these crypto winners these bitcoin winners where bitcoin goes sideways for like two years and then right before the halving it starts climbing back up to um to around where the other all-time the previous all-time high was before blasting through that usually six months to a year or so after the halving date so hopefully bitcoin will stay low for another year and we'll get to stack more but i wouldn't count on it uh, there's a lot of things that could happen that would that would send the bitcoin price sky high you know um there's a lot of shenanigans going on. You saw Japan adjust its yield, cold, yield curve control policy just last week. Uh, there's more and more countries, fiat currencies have been failing. So I wouldn't count on Bitcoin staying this low. Sure, it might go lower, but the way to look at it right now is Bitcoin is where it was about this, type, this point in time during the previous crypto winter when it, when it was kind of bottoming at about 6,000 and then we had the hash wars and Bitcoin had that, that last that last capitulation down to 3,000, but it wasn't there very long. And the people that bought at 6,000 are not necessarily, I mean, sure, you would have loved to have bought more at three also, but the people that bought at six or seven are not feeling like fools right now. And that's the way I look at the $16,000 range. Maybe this was the big capitulation. Maybe the FTX debacle put us in a similar position to where we were during the last winter when um, when we had the, the hash wars, when there were the Bcash shenanigans, and the Bitcoin SV shenanigans going on. And that that caused uh, the confidence in Bitcoin to drop and the price to drop uh, by about 50% from where it was. Uh, so we may be there or we might have one more big capitulation event. You know, certainly if we have a major miner or two go bankrupt, uh, that could affect the price of Bitcoin or something completely unforeseen. There's 
people making rumors about you know the next wave of the virus coming and we just enforced new rules on uh, people traveling into the united states from china for example are going to be required to be tested for the virus now um, regardless of how you feel about that whether you think it's uh, a prudent measure or whether you think it's just the government overreaching their authority to, to oppress you doesn't matter the fact of the matter is that will have an effect on the economy and that would have an effect on bitcoin so who knows what the black swan is the very concept of a black swan is you don't know what it is that's why it's a black swan right it was unexpected uh, so we might have one more final capitulation down or we might not but none of that matters four years from now when bitcoin's a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or wherever we top out in the next bull run uh, you'll wish you had stacked more at this price and that's what we're going to do today in just a minute uh, as i mentioned we're seventy thousand six hundred eighty blocks away from the next halving that's depending on how fast blocks come in on average that could be anywhere between march or june of 2024 so sometime in the spring or early summer of 2024 and once that happens uh, regardless of whatever black swan events we have just the supply shock from the supply of new bitcoin being introduced on the market getting cut in half has always always induced a bull market uh, and again they say that you know i don't nobody has a crystal ball nobody can predict the price uh, this is not financial advice but if history doesn't necessarily rhyme or repeat but even rhymes uh, we're looking at another bull run in anywhere from uh, a year and a half or two from now so get your stack on also in the news sec and ftx related sec general counsel dan berkowitz has resigned allegedly due to his ties with ftx it's being reported that he's received bribes or at least the appearance of impropriety from quote whining and dining with ftx founder sam bankman fried and his lobbyists uh, so for those of you wondering why such an obvious ponzi scheme wasn't the hammer didn't come down sooner maybe maybe that's why you know we know that it's been said that uh sec chairman has himself has met with sam bankman fried on numerous occasions and here we have the general counsel the head attorney for the sec basically uh having to resign because of his uh basically gifts if you go out to dinner as a as a politician or a public official and one of the things that senators are usually caught up in is, is it's not necessarily physical money going to them but it's those rides on private jets or those those whining and dining parties uh the exclusive events in hollywood the hobnobbing etc that gets them into trouble and that's what it looks like happened with the sec general counsel of course we had uh sam uh sam bankman fried's ex-girlfriend and the ceo of alameda research his hedge fund that he basically filtered all the FTX money to uh, take a plea deal for her role in this scandal. And it looks like she's not going to be doing any time at all. Of course, last week, just last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, last, on a previous episode, I said, you know, if we see anybody get away with this, it's going to be Carolyn Ellison because you think SBF is connected, but Carolyn Ellison's dad was, uh, was, uh, was the boss of our former SEC, was the former boss of our SEC chairman. So, uh, she's got some connections and if anyone was going to skate it was going to be her of course there's if they really are going to drop the hammer on sbf you know it's not unusual for them to offer a plea deal to people for turning state's evidence for testifying agreeing to testify against sam and uh, to cooperate with the prosecution but uh she was looking at like 110 or 115 years and she coughed a plea for nothing for uh, no time at all so her time served as apparently at starbucks in new york city last week and of course sbf was freed on bail you know he doesn't have his next hearing until january uh january 3rd i think and that's just to enter a formal plea so this could take years to go to trial and he's uh he's free on bail and they, he got to fly first class on american airlines to his parents house in palo alto california 
So other than wearing an ankle monitor and not being able to jet around the world, he's living a pretty good life of luxury right now. And if you remember all that money that disappeared from FTX right before the bankruptcy filing, uh, he's probably sitting pretty. Uh, it was pretty unbelievable that they let him off on uh, $250 million of bail. Seems like a lot. But when you're a billionaire, it isn't that much. And uh, who knows? That's one of the things about crypto. It's pretty easy to obscure how much you have. So uh, he could have hundreds of millions or billions. And we already know that he bought million, hundreds of millions of dollars of the property in the Bahamas with your money if you were trading on FTX. So uh, I think he's getting off pretty darn easy, all things considered. I guess we'll find out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him cop a plea for something relatively minor. Um, although maybe the government needs to make an example out of them, and they certainly have what seems to be a pretty ironclad case, especially if they've got Carolyn Ellison uh, testifying against him. Uh, they probably have a pretty strong case. The SEC and, the, and the, the federal government in general doesn't normally bring enforcement action that isn't a slam dunk, um, but I guess we'll see. Speaking of the, S, uh, the SBF collapse and more contagion, it was reported today that Binance will be purchasing Voyager's assets and liabilities. According to a headline on CNBC, quote, Binance U.S. to acquire bankrupt crypto exchange Voyager's assets for $1 billion weeks after planned FTX deal failed. Remember, right before the FTX collapsed, uh, they were going to purchase, well, they were going to bail out BlockFi, they were going to purchase Voyager, etc. But this is interesting because if Binance does buy out Voyager's assets, uh, you know, I'm not an attorney and I'm not an expert in bankruptcy proceedings, but uh, there's a pretty good chance the people in Voyager might actually get their money back. They might actually be able to withdraw uh, their assets if, if Voyager is being purchased because Binance doesn't just get to loot Voyager. They, they are going to, um, I think, I believe they're going to be uh, stuck with their liabilities as well, not just their assets. Uh, if they do, maybe some of those people get their money back and that's nice. One of the things that all, two things always happen during the crypto winter, you get that flipping BS from the ETH heads saying that now's the time when Ethereum's going to flip Bitcoin to become the largest asset by market cap. And Really, market cap's kind of a BS statistic when it comes to determining what the what the biggest, best asset is anyway. When you consider that 70% of Ethereum was pre-mined, uh, Vitalik and the Ethereum Foundation hold a boatload of ETH that is never going to hit the markets. So, the it, you know, they if, if you market capitalization is basically if you have a, a new token, a brand new token, you create it out of thin air, it's worthless, right? So you have, let's say, two tokens, just to keep this simple, and you sell one to yourself or to a friend for a dollar. Well, now all of a sudden, you've established a market price of $1 for your token, and there's two of them, so you have a market cap of $2, right? Same thing with Ethereum. There's you know a fark ton of Ethereum, and only a little bit of it is trading, and so they've kind of established a price, but then you're multiplying it by all these, well, 70% of the supply that isn't going to move, and if it did move, obviously, it would have an impact on the price, right? So... Uh, it doesn't really matter. What I was getting at in the first part uh, to begin with is that every time the price of Bitcoin is down, uh, these sniveling little booger-eating morons start uh, start dreaming of the flipping again. And so you start hearing that FUD. And of course, it never happens because Ethereum is down more than Bitcoin is if we talk percentage-wise. So yeah, Bitcoin, the, the, the difference between 1,000 and 16,000 is only 15,000 as opposed to when Ethereum was 4,000 and Bitcoin is 69,000. And you're talking a $65,000 spread. But that's a big C. That's a big difference. And of course, you know, the supply of Ethereum could be fluctuated and changed at any moment because the thing about a centralized currency like Ethereum is uh, it's completely it's completely subject to whatever Ethereum found, Vitalik and the Ethereum Foundation want to do. So um, they can they can increase the supply. Of course, they they tried to decrease the supply 
uh, with their uh, with their latest when they part of their change migration to proof of work uh, to help bump up the price, the value of Bitcoin or the, sorry the value of Ethereum and we didn't see that happen did we because Ethereum's in the one thousand dollar range and not the four thousand dollar range where it had been when all cryptos were riding Bitcoin's coattails to new all time highs. The other FUD that comes out every crypto winter is the minor reward FUD or the minor death spiral FUD. And we've seen both of those. I think the minor death spiral FUD has been disproven. And even if a bunch of big miners go out of business, uh, that's actually going to make it better for the miners that do stick around. Because when the hash rate comes down, the difficulty goes down as well. And the existing uh, miners are become magically instantaneously more profitable. So, uh, so that FUD was pretty much dispensed with. And then of course, um, the minor reward FUD is something that we don't even have to deal with for 50 years. The basis, the theory behind the minor, the minor reward FUD is that every halving, the supply of new Bitcoin gets cut in half, right? So eventually the rewards will be so low in terms of the number of Bitcoin that you receive, less than one coin and then, one, then just Satoshis, that there will be no incentive other than transaction fees for miners to stay in business. And so all the miners will quit, right? Well, no, because as this happens, the price of Bitcoin is going to be going up. So even though you might only get a half a Bitcoin reward for mining a Bitcoin block, when that is a when Bitcoin's worth a million dollars or more a coin, well, all of a sudden it's a five hundred thousand dollar reward. Uh, so, um, you know, that I think is going to easily easily eliminate you know the the minor reward issue, just the, the increasing value of Bitcoin. But more importantly, we're talking about something that's fifty years from now. Think about where we were tech wise fifty years ago. You know, you didn't have personal computers in your house. You didn't have USB drives and you didn't have the internet, right? We have no idea what technology we're going to have in 50 years. So to rush a quote-unquote fix for the um, for the minor reward problem through 50 years in advance is just stupid because, you know, you can't even envision what, what Bitcoin is going to look like, what technology is going to look like, what the world's going to look like 50 years from now. Uh, Bitcoin is working just fine. In fact, it's working better than fine. It isn't broke, so don't fix it. So it's not a problem. The Bitcoin core developers are not um, and not influenced by all this FUD. They've heard it before, too. So it's just FUD. And I think some of this FUD comes out from the naysayers on purpose because they, they know when Bitcoin's down, if they kick it a little harder, maybe it'll go a little lower. And the people that are trying to promote their own altcoins or the flippening, for example, you know, they like to roll this FUD out because they're doing everything they can to pump their coin while shitting on the actual crypto asset that isn't a shit coin. All right. Um, that's all the news I really wanted to talk to. You. And again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna see you again until after the new year, unless something major happens. Our next episode will be the next time we stack for our DCA Wednesday episode. And so let's get to it for this week. Again, for those of you just joining us, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. That's that investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions of regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 75th stack. We started this exercise this experiment all the way back on Wednesday, July 28, 2021. We've stacked every Wednesday since for a total of 74 times, stacking $20 at a time. We've stacked, uh, well, $1,480, US including $33.30 in fees. And that has purchased us a stack of 4,866,768 sats. And uh, we have purchased those now at an average cost basis of $30,000. $410.33, and that is significantly less. That's not quite double what the price of Bitcoin currently is, but almost. Um, but again, as we've mentioned in the previous episodes, had you YOLO'd that $1,480 in back on July 28th, 
uh, you'd have significantly less, bit, less Bitcoin. Instead of $4,984,000, you'd have $3.6 million. So you've got one point, almost one point, almost 1.4 million more sats than you would have if you YOLO'd in. So even though we're underwater, we're doing better than if you'd lump summed. And again, dollar cost averaging is a long-term strategy. So it's really unfair to make that judgment now because we're talking about a strategy that's supposed to unfold over five, 10 years or even more. And of course, the price of Bitcoin, you should never look at Bitcoin as a short-term investment. If you purchase Bitcoin, you should be planning on holding it a minimum of one halving cycle beyond where we're at. So at most, at minimum, at least four or five years, more like 10 years. And most people, once they have their Bitcoin and they and they get that uh, that that uh, long-term horizon, the long timeline, the long time perspective, uh, then you don't plan on ever selling your Bitcoin because you start learning more about Bitcoin and you realize that one day we're going to have even if we don't have hyper Bitcoinization, Bitcoin will be uh, will be a currency that's used more, much more widely. It'll be much more valuable, and it's something you'll never want to sell. Uh, and just like technology, we don't know where, how we don't know exactly how the world's going to look fifty years from now. But if I had to venture, Bitcoin's going to play a much bigger role uh, than it does now, and you're going to be glad that you that you stack those sats because it, there are a maximum of twenty one million Bitcoin that will ever be issued. Most of those have already been issued. It was nineteen million or so are already. Have already been issued uh, and that gets back to that minor reward having uh, every four years the amount of new bitcoin that minus five gets cut in half as i said so eventually that'll be zero when we reach the 21 million cap uh, and so at that point in time you know of course fiat they'll keep, they'll keep printing we just printed another trillion dollars of the fiat for our latest omnibus spending bill here in the united states every year they mine more gold and the, the technology for finding gold gets better even if that solid gold asteroid is Never, they never find a way to lasso that and mine it. Just the just the gold that we're going to extract from the earth, the gold that we can extract from salt water, uh, the amount of gold will always increase, and so it will become less and less valuable compared to compared to Bitcoin, regardless of what the world looks like. Other than that, so all right, enough yammering. Let's get that stack on. And to do our DCA, we're going to use the handy dandy Cash App. Got the Cash App on my phone, and I use the Cash App for a couple of reasons. They are not a sponsor. We do not get paid from Cash App to use Cash App. I just use it because I like it. I think it's one of the easiest ways to stack. They will let you automate your DCA stack and do it for you, but I'm a glutton for punishment. I like to I like to look at the price constantly, and uh, so I like to make my stack manually. Plus, we're doing a show, right? So I need to do the stack in real time so so that we can uh, we can talk about it. We can share our experiences with you. The other cool thing about Cash App is they'll let you put your money on Cash App, transfer money to Cash App, invest it, and transfer your Bitcoin to your hardware wallet immediately. So I never keep any money on my Cash App unless I'm getting ready to use it. Uh, so I've already loaded up the 20 bucks on Cash App. And one second. So you click on, well, to get to the Bitcoin purchase, you click, you have to, now you have to click on the, the, the dollar, your 20 bucks in the bottom left hand corner. Click on Bitcoin. Click buy. Tap 20. Enter next, tap confirm, and boom, just like that, we've purchased another 118,094 sats. Bitcoin went up a little bit in price while we were yammering. I purchased at a price of $16,554.60. That is going to bring our stack up to 4,984,862 sats. We've now invested $1,500 at just $20 a whack. So for those of you who uh, say, I only have $100 or I only have $50 to invest, well, we only had 20, and now all of a sudden we've invested $1,500 worth. So if you could scratch up 20 bucks, 
And if you've been following us, you would have invested $1,500 by now. Perhaps most importantly, that has knocked our average cost basis down to $30,091.10. That's $319.23 less than it was just last week. The longer Bitcoin stays on sale, the more that's going to go down. For example, we have knocked our average cost basis down now by $1,295.14 in December. We knocked it down by $1,932 in November and $1,923 in September. So the longer it stays on sale, the uh, the better our average cost per Bitcoin is going to be. Uh, of course, none of that really matters if Bitcoin sets a new all-time high of $150,000 or a $1 million. Whether you bought at $30,000 or even at $69,000 is kind of moot. All that really matters is the size of your stack. And uh, again, if you'd YOLO'd in, you'd have significantly less Bitcoin than you have now. So I think we've already started to show the value of dollar cost averaging. At least it's worked out for us as far as our experiment goes. And speaking of us, please consider following us on Twitter. On Twitter, I am at BTC Bulletin Pod, at BTC Bulletin Pod. I really would like to know what you think. So please follow us on Twitter and please comment on some of our posts or DM us. Let us know what you want me to talk about or what you don't like to hear me talk about. I know some of the stuff I say can seem a little repetitive, especially if you're not new to Bitcoin. But I have to assume that each week some newbies are going to join us or some people that aren't really as up to speed as the average OG Bitcoiner are going to join the podcast. So I try to I try to I try to make a to keep a fine balance between uh, keeping the the jargon to a minimum that the newbies won't understand and uh, and not sounding uh, like a broken record every week. Uh, but let me know what you think. And again, the best way to do that's on Twitter at, at BTC Bolton Pod. If you don't like Twitter, you can always email me in the email address for us is Bitcoin Bulletin at ProtonMail.com. That's Bitcoin Bulletin at ProtonMail.com. Of course, you can always listen to us on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as Fountain or Breeze. Uh, you can support the show that way with the value for value model by either streaming sats on a per minute basis or by sending a, uh, a boostergram. And a boostergram is a lightning tip, a message as a lightning transaction. So you can send us a, a, a boostergram, let us know what you think. And if it's not a shill or something that I then get me in trouble for reading, uh, we will read the boostergrams on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. So, uh, and, and, and again, it, uh, it's a, it is a cool way to help support your favorite podcast. So consider listening and consider uh, sending us a boostergram on uh, Fountain for example. And if you do send us a boost, like I said, we will read it on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. All right. That's all I really have that I want to talk about today. If something else happens between now and next Wednesday, I'll do maybe a weekend update episode or, or something along those lines. Uh, but don't forget, we will be here next Wednesday and every Wednesday for those DCA episodes as we continue to test out our DCA and to build our stack of sats. But until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>